Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fitness Philadelphia podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Herding, and I have the absolute pleasure of talking to Philadelphia's best sports medicine physicians, physical therapists, strength coaches, and personal trainers. These movement professionals are the leaders driving the healthcare revolution in the Philadelphia region. During each episode, we gain valuable insight into how these individuals are changing the game. Please stop by precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness with a PH Philadelphia to subscribe and learn more. All right, everyone, welcome back to Move Philadelphia. I'm your host, Dr. John Herding, and today it's my absolute pleasure to interview the Rob Rabina. Welcome, Rob. John, thanks for having me on. This is uh this is fun. Absolutely. It's always fun with you, Rob. Always good. Yeah. So, Rob, we're going to get right into it because in, rather than me introducing you, I think nobody can introduce you like you can introduce yourself. Can you give us a quick bio of kind of, you know, just your history, how you became interested in fitness, how you ended up where you are? Let Give people some insight into to how you got to where you are right now. Yeah. So my I guess I'll start from the beginning. So I went to Cabrini College for uh, undergrad and exercise science uh, while I was there, I did a internship at Villanova to get a college strength and conditioning experience, did a internship at just a local commercial gym, you know, filling smoothies, checking people in, you know, doing a little bit of personal training, doing some group fitness. And then I went to East Stroudsburg for my master's degree in kinesiology. And there I trained the baseball, softball teams, did some research on the baseball team there entitled The Effects of Interval Training and Long Distance Running on Pitching Performance. And that uh, research was recently published in 2019, so that was fun. And after there, I interned at Cressy Performance in Boston, which was a great experience. And I came back home and had a few jobs, part-time jobs, doing you know figure skating, ice hockey. I worked at a college, so... I had a couple part-time jobs kind of getting started, and then I started working at MSI, which is now Ascent, about seven, eight years ago as the director of performance. And, you know, here we train lots of baseball players. We're probably, you know, 90, 85% baseball players from all different levels, ranges, skill levels to, you know, from the youth ages, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, to, you know, college, professional, and lots of big leaguers. So, you know, that's kind of... What my what I do currently is train lots of baseball players to improve their on-field performance. You know, I coordinate a lot with physical therapists, you know, pitching coaches, hitting coaches in here in our building, and then you know, with professional teams, colleges, high school. So, you know, kind of being that quarterback role and making sure, you know, players are feeling good, staying healthy, and performing well in the field. You know, so it's a you know fun job. That's kind of what I do now. And then I also do some teaching at Widener university with their PT students. I also teach at Cabrini and the exercise science department for undergrads. And then I also do some fitness consulting for a company called Altus. So, you know, kind of doing a little bit of everything, but as a coach, you still have your bread and butter, which is, you know, coaching, assessing athletes, writing programs, and, you know, kind of getting, getting people better every day. Love it, Robin. That's, that's something very interesting with, as I've watched you grow and develop and find your path, I think it's, it's very cool to see you, You've now worked yourself into these teaching positions, not only in like an exercise science program for undergrads, but also now you're you're helping to teach future physical therapy students, which is something that I, 
to my knowledge, not many strength coaches are doing, but anyone who knows me knows how I feel about the, the continuum of movement and how strength coaches and PT should coordinate and how strength coaches have a wealth of knowledge that they can share with physical therapy students. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how you teaching both undergraduates and graduate school students, you know, maybe how you felt, how you found yourself in those positions and then what Mm -hmm. it's meant you to kind of educate the next up and coming movement professionals. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I went to grad school was I kind of always had an interest in like the teaching component, the education component. So that was like one driver for me to go to grad school was like eventually down the road, get into some teaching as like some adjunct. So, you know, finally able to have that opportunity, which is which is awesome. So teaching uh, DPT students at first, you, you know, as a as a strength coach who is, you know, obviously like not on the same level from an educational standpoint as PT students are when it comes to just anatomy, diagnosis, you know, all that fun stuff that you get in PT school. You know, I was slightly nervous slash skeptical how students would first perceive me. But I think once they, you know, hear me talk about training, exercise, rehab, strength and conditioning, and they hear the passion that I bring, the knowledge that I bring, you know, the abilities that I can help teach them when it comes to exercise movement, everyone bought in very, very quickly. Uh, So that was fun just to like have a group of students that were, that were all in and eager to learn every day some with all different backgrounds. So like I had PT students that have never licked a personal training client ever. They just like have never done it. Um, And I've had some that have done personal training for two to three years. So to see that gap and like those that were training and those that aren't, you know, especially if you want to get into like, you know, PT and work with athletes was a huge gap that I tried to close with those students. So uh, I think just like another thing with the PT students, like, you know, always relating it back to the rehab setting because that's where they're going to be working. You know, some of them might be like in a strength coachy type role, but most of them are going to be like in a PT clinic treating injured people, injured athletes. So like always relating and talking about movement, exercise, strength programs in conjunction with a rehab program and getting people out of pain, feeling better. You know, I think I learned that quickly. It was like the best way to, to help, help educate them. Yep. And then how does that differ from the education that you're giving the undergrad students as well? Are you finding similarities or is there, they're definitely. Yeah. yeah. The undergrad students is a lot different, you know, a lot. I'm not going to say like easier, you know, easier to teach, but you know, they're not, they're not third, third year PT students. They're still learning like, you know, how to structure an exercise program. The, the class I teach is exercise testing and prescription. So you know, we're going over like how to assess people, how to write programs. So, you know, realizing that like most of these students like don't really know. And it's like my job to like make them know how to test people and write programs. So it's kind of just like coming back to the basics, basic foundational principles of exercise, you know, assessing, training, and then like writing programs. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot different than the PT students, which is like way more technical, a little bit more in depth. Whereas the undergrad, it's like broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just to take us back a little bit, what, because I just, we had to take that path after you mentioned some of the teaching, but what initially got you into being interested in a possible exercise science and then kinesi- kinesiology degree? What, did you have an athletic background? 
tell us a little bit about what made you become an exercise yeah. science major versus maybe like a business major. Yeah. So I was, um, you know, uh, I grew up doing construction my entire life. My dad, brother, uncles, cousins, they've all worked construction. So made sense for me to do construction, but I wasn't good at it. So, you know, I, I got to college, I was on the side and I'm like, okay, like maybe I'll do some of the business stuff of the construction business and, you know, craft out a job somewhere in that market. And then I was unable to get into business classes my spring semester. So I like stumbled into like an exercise science class and I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Like this is way more interesting than anything I've been learning. The professor was fantastic. And, you know, that really kind of sparked the fire for me into like learning more about what this major field can offer. And you know, that's where I found like the training end of it, healthy individuals, the strength and conditioning component, the athletes. You know, I was like an average athlete in high school, you know, but I still loved like being active, exercising, sports. So I was like, this is a great fit for me. And, you know, kind of the rest is history. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Rise Education Platform. Rise stands for Rehab Integrated into Sports Education. We offer solutions for business owners who want to bring more athletes into their practice, as well as clinicians to help them better understand how to integrate sports performance metrics into the rehab setting. Our 12-week master's class for clinicians offers solutions for clinicians to begin to implement these ideas right away. And our business mentorship helps business owners figure out the solutions that best suit their business's needs. Visit sportsrehabeducation.com for more information. Uh, I love that. I love that. And then, so now you said you train a lot of, of a lot of baseball players. Why, like, how did you get into that niche? Like you said, you trained yeah. with Presti. I'm sure that had a big part of it. Yeah. How did you find that you, was it through grad school when you were working the baseball team that you said you wanted, or when you decided you want to fill that niche? And then how did you work yeah. yourself into this role as now playing quarterback? And I want to get into how you play quarterback too, but this role of really finding and specializing this niche that, you know, not many people have like many people, yeah. a lot of people say they want to work with athletes or they want to work with gen popper, but you've actually, you've narrowed it down into, I want to work with athletes and in the performance side and then specifically baseball players. Mm-hmm. And now you've become an, a leader in, in the field. How did you find your specific spot just to help guide some younger strength yeah. coaches that may be coming up? Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, great question, John. I think it's, this is fun. So when I went to grad school, you know, I'll never forget my grad school mentor, you know, like first week, you know, we had weekly meetings and we sat down she's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do strength and conditioning. She's like, no, no, no. Too broad. She's like, let's get specific. What sport population setting do you see yourself doing? I'm like, I like baseball. I like this guy, you know, Eric Cressy trains all these baseball players. I'm like, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And she's like, all right, done. You're doing baseball, everything from your internship, your research and your GA stuff. I'm like, I'm in. Let's do mm-hmm. it. So from then on, it was like your research is going to be on baseball. Your internship is going to be a baseball and you're going to train baseball and softball. So that way your resume is fit to train baseball players. Because at grad school, you want to you know, like like we talked about earlier, like the undergrad experience is like broad strokes. And then like grad school is like a little bit more narrow and you want to try to be good at something, you know. So I was pretty good at a lot of things. Like I said, like as an undergrad, I was doing personal training, group fitness, you know, and I did strength and conditioning, working with all different types of athletes. So I worked in 
two different settings with a bunch of different people. So I had that, I had that experience, you know, mm-hmm. but then grad school was about, you know, getting good at something. So like I wanted to go to training baseball players. So I ran every single research article you can about baseball conditioning, you know, continue to read articles online, YouTube videos, continue to train baseball teams, hands-on experience, and then get an internship at Cressy, kind of like cap that off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was kind of like how I started off to like develop a niche, but it couldn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't start there. I had to start in the broad strokes to like figure out what I liked, what I didn't like, what setting I was good at and what setting I wasn't good in, you know? And then once I started with the baseball, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed it, you know, and I wanted to stay with it was whether it was find a college that had a good baseball team, whether it was at an academy setting that I'm in now. So that's kind of, you know, what I do and, and how I got started in that like baseball niche and then it's just it's just about you know providing that baseball culture that's different than every other gym that you go to, mm-hmm. you know having a good culture of you know for baseball players to feel, you know comfortable, and they just feel ready to train hard in and have a good time, recipe for for success. I think that's huge. We talked to uh, with Devin Gage a couple episodes about about really di- finding your niche and then dialing that in and stop trying yep. to be a generalist and just become the expert in the area on that. And I think you've done a really good job at that. On where people are people are flying in from all over the country to train in this this culture that you talk about and yep. the facility definitely helps because you have this expansive facility where guys can throw a hundred feet inside. But it's it's great to see that you you now have people flying in even for an assessment from Texas, from, you know, the Midwest. Uh, they're driving a couple hours just to train for a day and get assessed like yep. you've really kind of you've really built this built this reputation where guys are coming in from all over the place. And like we said, when you're prepping for the I think you're a diamond in the rough in the Philly area that, you know, is, is starting to gain some traction. But I th- you guys are doing great stuff. And along those lines, you talked about a little bit about how you're now quarterbacking the the skill, you know, the sports specific skill team. Like in the facility, you have mm-hmm. PT, you have pitching coaches, throwing coaches, you have hitting coaches. But so you said, are you play, kind of also playing quarterback to make sure all of these different individuals work together as a team mm-hmm. in the best interest of the athlete? Tell us about the the kind of system that you've created for your athletes if if an athlete wants to come in and train with you, and then a little bit about your role of how you're coordinating these efforts between all the different disciplines, um, you know, to create the holistic yep. program that you're giving to your athletes. Yep. My job is to make baseball players better at what they do on the field. Like that's what I do in a nutshell. Like so however we get there. It doesn't really matter. Like, I want players throwing harder. Their baseball's moving more. Their swing, they're swinging the bat harder. They're hitting the ball further. They're hitting home runs. They're stealing more bases. You know, like, that is my job. Like, strength and conditioning is a tool to aid in that process. So if a player is, you know, not throwing harder or, you know, isn't swinging harder or isn't hitting the ball further, you know, then, then we, have to, we have to figure out why. Is it their transitioning program? Is it a lack of mobility? Is it their training consistency? Is it a throwing program? Is it their hitting program? You know, so myself, the hitting coordinator and the pitching coordinator here, and our and Troy, the PT, is is we're all on the same team to help players improve their on-field performance. 
So, you know, when in the winter, when we have 150 athletes in here that we're training to scale, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, players are getting better. So, you know, if that's retesting, you know, like, like at the end of the day, John, like, I don't really care if their broad jump went up three inches or not. Mm-hmm. Like, that's easy to do. Like, I can add weight and get people stronger. That's easy to do. What's really hard is to gain three miles an hour when you're throwing 86, mm-hmm. you know, that takes, that takes a village that takes a team. And that's why I have great people around me to get people better. And if there's just like one, myself, everyone kind of working together, communicating together about a player, you know, about, you know, the system about uh, a player's getting worse, not getting better, you know? So that's where like, I rely on the baseball coaches to tell me it's like, Hey, you know, Johnny is is really killing it. Like, how's he doing in the gym? He's mm-hmm. killing it. Great. You know, or, you know, we got, you know, Tommy, he's not doing well and he's getting worse. Like, what's going on? It's like, ah, well, you know, we're really working through some things. His mobility, you know, his strength, his training consistency. He's only been in twice a week. Like, we have to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's play, and that's player development. And that's just getting people better. So, you know, I think if we can – you know, work together as a team to people better. And if I can be kind of the, the steer of the ship, because, you know, the, the coaches rely on my assessment process to like give them information about the player. So if I can, you know, if I can educate the baseball staff on, Hey, this guy is, you know, he's super explosive, but he's like really, really loose. You know, that's going to really make the coaches do their job better. Likewise, if I can say, Oh, this guy's got really tight shoulders, George, like, we got to hold back on like some of his higher intensity throwing till we were able to regain some range of motion and some strength in those ranges. And then we can start to improve his throwing. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, it's just like giving these coaches information data to make their programs better. So, yeah, you know, that's kind of like, it's kind of like day in the life, Robert Bina. And how long, it sounds like you guys keep great coordination and communication between the different um, disciplines how have you guys been able to foster that over the seven to eight years? Has, has it been a learning curve in the development of the the open lines of communications? And I'm familiar with how openly everybody communicates. How did that go initially? Was it well perceived when you came in trying to, you know, coordinate this effort? Or did, was there a little bit of kickback and, you know, some egos get involved as people thought they had a bigger place in the development of the player as more than others? Yeah, I mean... I mean, when I first started, the baseball training model was way different than what it is now. So even just that, you know, dealing with that was very difficult where I was doing semi-private training with an eval and customized programs. And, you know, baseball kids were coming here once, twice a week for a half hour. And it was just like the training model was way different. Whereas Mm -hmm. now everything is integrated. A player walks in these doors, they get a sports performance assessment, a throwing assessment, a hitting assessment a plan laid out. They know where they stand compared to other players. You know, they, they, we provide them our recommendations as far as days a week, you know, what we expect from them. And we, we tell them what we expect out of them over the next 12 weeks, whatever it might be to get to where they want to get to. So it's, you know, it started off like, you know, two separate things. And now it's as integrated as possible. And it's better for the players because this is how it's supposed to be done. You know, baseball is such an individualized sport. Not all pitchers are the same. Not all, you know, outfielders are the same. Not all kids the same age are the same, you know. 
so we, we we provide a very customized, unique, you know, evaluation, training experience, culture, and players like it and they get better. And, and that's one of the things I wanted to get into is kind of the training model that you're using and what makes you guys different. And you got into it a little bit there, but what makes you guys different as far as the baseball training model and why are people coming to see you guys versus, you know, whatever, right. whoever else has a tunnel in their backyard? Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, our, our model, like I said, is a, a player walks in the door, they sit down and they get a, a two, two and a half hour evaluation of throwing, hitting in their, in their body. There's not a lot of places that are doing that to my mm-hmm. knowledge. So just in of itself, the, the eval process, you know, the data that we provide them during the eval process is, is rare. So that's valuable for a lot of players that are really stuck we're really plateaued. So if you're a player and you're like, I've been throwing 85 for two years and I'm not getting any better. Like, let's figure out why, you know, mm-hmm. what do what, what, what's going on? What are we doing wrong? How can we change things? So that evaluation is important. And then after that, it's, it's about just coming in and training hard, you know, mm-hmm. and, and training hard consistently over time. Uh, it's a lot, it, it's really easy to get someone from 80 to 85. It's a lot harder to get someone from 90 to 95. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that 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 disparity in, in miles per hour is 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 very hard to do. So, like I said, it takes a great collaboration between a skill coach, a physical therapist and a strength coach working together to improve the outcomes of the player. Whereas if like a player was coming to see me and then they were going somewhere else for rehab and then they were going somewhere else to do throwing, it's like there could be some things lost along the way for that player. Where it's like, I don't know what his throwing is. I don't know how he looks when he does his throwing because he doesn't throw here. That doesn't exist anymore. Like everyone that comes here does this program. And this program is very successful. So a common theme that's kind of come up in in some of the other podcasts is consistency and making sure, you know, you and I both know that when you keep it simple and really the goal to progressing is making sure you're consistent in the weight room, right? And things kind of fall into place. How do you manage as you know it might take six months to get that extra three miles an hour you said it you said it a couple times it takes yeah you know it's easy to get up to 80 miles an hour but to get to from 80 to 83 or 90 to 95 is much harder so how do you get the body they're only seeing these small metrics and progression but it might take six months to gain three miles an hour how are you keeping them engaged how are you making sure they buy into the process of you know, understanding these are the steps to get there, but when it's, mm-hmm. it changes, manage that buy-in. Yeah. So getting getting that buy-in is interesting. I think we first get it when, you know, like the player knows that, you know, we're on their team, like we're part of their team and we're they're here doing their training program. You know, like they're not here doing Rob Rabina's program. Like obviously I'm typing programs, but like, at the end of the day, it's like their program and like they have specific goals and what they want to accomplish. And that's like one of the first questions that I ask someone when they come in. It's like, why did you just walk in here to see me, to see us, to see our team? Like, what are your goals? So like once we hear their goals, we can then establish like a way to get to that goal, a, a plan, a roadmap, a training program, you know? So mm-hmm. it first starts with that. And then, and then I think it's just, the 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 culture kind of 
keeps them engaged where they see their peers or their teammates or a friend of theirs training harder, if not just as hard as them to get their goal. So like when you see that it's like, Oh man, my buddies just did 55. Like I'm going to do 55, mm-hmm. you know? So like having that culture of like everyone training hard, but at the same time, everyone pushing one another when there's, you know, velocity pens or pull downs in the winter here, John, it's super electric. Yeah. You know, where guys are super hyped and yelling and, and, you know, everyone just wants everyone to be successful, which is really fun to be a part of. And when you have that, you get that buy and you get that, you get that long-term success where, you know, in six months, you know, you're going to see the results that you want. And, and I'm not here saying like we, we guarantee results. Like it's not what training is. You know, there's going to be bumps and bruises along the way for everybody. No one's invincible. You know, we don't claim to like, we give you six miles an hour. Like, you know, sometimes you, you do stale and we have to reevaluate and, you know, just having that open line of communication, having mm-hmm. that rapport built with your athletes and clients really helps you break through those speed bumps that might happen along the way. Yeah. I think that's huge. The culture has been a common theme as well in this where, I've been in the facility when you've had the live pens before guys go to spring training and it's electric. Like the music's pumping, the guys are getting after it a little bit, you know, like they're ribbing each other, but then they're also happy for, you know, guys from other teams when they, yep. you know, strike someone out or get a hit. And even with some of the the middle school and high school kids, when the culture you guys have created is, you know, if you have a bunch of kids come in from Malvern prep and there's a team, they're training next to someone from St. Joe's prep and they become friends mm-hmm. and they become part of the same yep. community where they're even though like they're on competing high schools they're still rooting for people when they're throwing against the gun to throw faster or to pull down to be harder or they're you know they're yep. it's uh, this culture of we want everyone to do better but then when we go on the field and we're competing for different teams like we'll get after each other a little bit but yep. it has been cool to see the the culture that you guys have created and i think it's really what's driven the buy-in into what you guys are doing right no no doubt I think it's great no doubt Tom. I also think part of that too is you guys make an honest effort to make sure you're getting to games in the spring. Oh yeah. Like, Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I like mean, kids have your cell phone number. You're getting to games in the spring to make sure you're showing support. It's not just, Oh, it's spring season. You're not coming in as much. We'll forget about you until off season. You and each of the skill coaches that I know are making an honest effort to get to games games yeah. as well. Yeah. Because John, like they, We've had, we've had multiple kids drive 45 minutes three to four times a week. Yeah. Like, that's a commitment. And it's like, if I can't commit to go to one of their games, it's like, that that's bad. That's not good. Like, you don't really care about your athletes if you can't make that one drive for 45 minutes to go watch your player play. Like, right. that's, that's not good. Like, all coaches should be going to watch their players because you care about your players. Mm-hmm. If you don't care about your players, then you're in the wrong field. Absolutely. So so tell, let's go down that path a little bit, like the relationships that you're forming. So that helps to breed culture. How much do you think that plays in a role into, you know, what you've been able to create and how you've been able to continue to grow the business and mm-hmm. how, how does the relationship building and how do you go about yeah. doing that? Is it just right away you see if you click with somebody or do you have a step-by-step process that you're kind of taking into building the relationships with your clients? Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it obviously like starts with the eval, you know, that's where like people make up their minds about you the first like 10, 15 seconds that they sit down with you. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, having that great first impression on this person really goes a long way in building long-term success. And then it's just like, you know, when they come into the gym and like say hi to them, talk to them, be nice to them, like really basic concepts, you know, basic people skills, you know, to really show them that you care about them and you do care about them and you want them to get better and you, they need to know that you care about them or they're not going to come in. Because at the end of the day, John, like they, you know, yeah, they they might come here for our training programs, but they're going to stay here because our staff's really good and we care about people that come in. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the rapport that is built is what maintains the clients. And then that rapport, when you find out that your buddy is going to a baseball academy three, four days a week and he stops hanging out with you, it's like, they're going to ask like, where are you going three to four times a week for two hours? Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Like, can I come? He's like, yeah, they're great. You should definitely come. I'll get you set up. No problem. Come in with me one day, like or whatever. And that kind of builds that, that business from referrals mm-hmm. and the training in the exercise business, as you know, is, is a lot of referral based because yeah. people, most people like to talk about what got them better or they like to talk about something good in their life. So we can provide that good or that happy time, you know, or a time where they can, you know, be a kid and have a good time. Like, great. Let's provide that. And, and you provide a great training program to boot. Like Mm -hmm. that's this recipe for success. Yeah. I think if you can just make it a point to be the best part of someone's day every day, I think it's going to go a long way in forming those um, relationships and building the rapport. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about, or we've mentioned the the pro guys that you see, where you see yep. a ton of pro athletes, they're flying from all over, but yep. I, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily your area of expertise. I think, you know, who, why don't you just tell everyone the main population of clients that you're training? It's not necessarily the the pro athletes, even though you train a lot of them. Right. Yeah. I, I think just like, you know, I, I threw out a number, like 150 clients, you know, mm-hmm. out of that 150 we had 30 professional players in every day this past winter, you know, so that only makes up a small chunk of that, right? right? The rest of the 120 athletes were high school athletes, you know, probably, I don't know, say 80 of them were high school. And then the rest were middle school youth athletes. So our main market is, is high school baseball players, you know, college baseball players. They only really train for two to four weeks in the month of December, and maybe over the summer, depending if they're playing summer baseball or not, that's mm-hmm. it. The rest of the time, college athletes are out of school, you know, so the professional athletes are only here from, you know, October, November, December, January. They're only here for, you know, maybe 16 weeks or so, 18 weeks. So, you know, that's not that, it's not that long either. Whereas high school athletes are going to be here all summer, all fall, all winter, per- sporadically throughout the spring. So our main market, you know, from a business standpoint is definitely our high school athletes and, you know, creating, like I said earlier, like, you know, just that environment where high school athletes can, you know, wear tank tops, flex in the mirror in the gym, you know, lift some weights, you know, and get better at their sport. It's just a really fun thing to be a part of. So so philosophy around training those high school athletes, then if it's, you know, the, your main population, you know, cause a lot of these kids have a low training age, yep. which means 
you're just learning how to lift weights. And I think I've heard you say before, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, where you don't really, I don't know, you, you tell me, but you're not really an expert at training until you've, what, 10 years in the gym and under the bar? Yeah. So tell I mean, me about your philosophy with training these kids that are just getting into training. They're seeing, yep. they're going through puberty. They're, yep. you know, give me, give me a little bit of that insight. Right. Yeah. So the, the high school athlete is a, is a unique, unique athlete where, you know, they might even play two, three sports. So you have to consider the other sports that they play if they're playing other sports besides baseball. But yeah, John, you hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, if a 14, 15 year old athlete comes in, they're a freshman in high school. They maybe have done some weight training with like a sibling or a parent, you know, come to the gym with me. It's good. And they come and they hate it and they don't listen to whoever they're going with, you know. So it's it's a, you know, we have to like create that, you know, place where high school athlete like isn't one like, you know, scared of a gym, isn't scared of a strength coach. Like people have like stigmas of like strength coaches with, you know, they just yell at kids all day and. You know, they have whistles and they just like do all that stuff. And it's like, no, that's not like, that's not what it is. You know, it's like people have that, like, you know, thanks to like movies, TVs, like that's what people think strength coaches are, you know? So create, you know, breaking that barrier and showing people that like, Hey, like this is like, this is great training. We provide a great environment with a great service where a parent feels comfortable, just like drop their kid off. This is, is cool. So, you know, getting that athlete first comfortable is, is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you know, just creating a good, you know, kind of base for them where we would do all different types of movements, you know, at the end of the day, John, we just need to build a better athlete. So mm-hmm. getting them sprinting faster, jumping higher, throwing med balls, you know, improving their, their strength, their power, uh, upper body, lower body, bilateral training, single leg training, doing a lot of different things, getting good at as many different things as possible is kind of how I like to start kids. At the same time, I'm not just saying like, Hey, let's do a different program or different, different, you know, exercise session every time they come in. Like there is a plan. They do do it for four to five weeks long. And then we write another program. So we are getting good at certain movements, you know, where there's always going to be some sort of like squat, deadlift, hinge, you know, push, pull movement, sprinting activity in their programs, you know, which if you were to look at their program, you'd be like, oh, like this kid might play basketball. They might play football. Because it's more of a general program, because it's their first time doing a strength and conditioning program, where we don't want to get super, super specific to the sport, to the position, to their demands at first. And then once they've developed that training age, that training experience, you know, they get older, they are continuing to advance in their sport, and we can really dial in a specific strength and conditioning program to improve in you know, uh, horizontal abduction, the take back phase of throwing. Like we can get really specific and dive into those details uh, mm-hmm. in their training program when the time comes. But if you can't do a push up, then we're not diving into horizontal abduction. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's unique. Even though we're, we're championing your, your expertise in, in baseball, I also, you train other sports. And I think you're also an expert in training these these high school athletes that are going through all of these changes with a low training age. So I think you're, you're a good spot for, you know, the high school athlete just looking to get into lifting to improve sports performance as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, what's, what's your main motivation? Are you, are you looking to really, well, you tell me before I put ideas in your head, but what's your main Mm -hmm. motivation as a strength coach at this point? 
I mean, it's to change lives. Yeah. That's like what it is. I mean, it's, I want to like make an impact on a player, you know, to where they remember their three months, a year, three years, four years, you know, five, six years that they spend coming here to mm -hmm. where they are a better person for it. They are fit. They are in shape. And, you know, I've instilled in them a lifelong habit of exercise where they enjoy going to the gym. I don't care what gym they go to, as long as they're exercising, they're staying fit. And, you know, we're, we're I've made an impact in that person's life long-term besides just giving them three miles an hour and their fastball velocity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to me, that's like, that's what it's about. And that's the fun part, you know, of, of this, of this job is to like, you know, I, I had an athlete the other day reach out to me. It's like, Rob, I just wanted to shoot you a message. Like, you know, I'm back in the gym exercising, you know, and I'm doing all the stuff I was doing with you. And without that, I would have, I would be lost. And like, it's funny to see others come to the gym and they have no clue what they're doing. You know, so it's like, he's like, I just wanted to thank you for, you know, all that you did for me over the years. Like that, like, that's a, that's a great thing to get. That's a, that's mm -hmm. a day changer right there. You know, yeah. you know, and then just like getting that like text or call that a player made it to the big leagues. Like that's, that's awesome. Like to, mm -hmm. a thank you. Like, you know, when like a player signs a Jersey and they give it to you, like that's super rewarding to know that a player is thankful for what I did for them. And at the end of the day, like, all I really did was just, you know, be yourself, care about people, you know, obviously like right kick-ass training programs, mm -hmm. you know, and get people better. I, I think that's what's been, you know, seven years, eight years we've been working together is seeing even these high school kids. They've come up, they've either made the big leagues, they've come up, we've turned them on to wanting to become strength coaches or physical therapists and and now seeing them go from high school and then now they're starting to, we've been here long enough we're getting old but seeing them start to graduate college and grad school and be mm -hmm. you know enter these positions of leadership and guiding mm -hmm. even you know the second generation down mm -hmm. and then even like some of those people like they may decide to enter the workforce like the the business world but they're still texting us saying, you know, just want to let you know how much you influenced me. And yep. I would, I'd be lost in the gym without your program. I'm still implementing this stuff. And even the strength coaches and interns that you've influenced and how the exercises you've shown them are ending up in the programs. And they're just, it's, it's amazing to see mm -hmm. now that we're starting to, you know, we've been in the field long enough where we're seeing the influences that, that you've had. I'm sure that's, that's super oh, yeah. rewarding as you, you know, move along in your career. Yeah. And I love, I love, I get interns every semester, you know, mm -hmm. and I've had interns for a very long time and I really enjoy, you know, an intern that does a really good job here trying to get them a job. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoy that part of the mentorship where I can email call anybody in my network and they're going to minimally take an interview on this person. Right. You know, like that's that's really a fun part for me where now that I, you know, have a lot of connections in the area, across the areas, uh, and I've had lots of interns and a lot of great interns, some that I've hired here, but I can just like pick up a phone call and be like, hey, Tommy, like you got to you got to you, you need a strength coach. Like, I got one. Like, here you go. Right. Boom. Hired. Thanks, Rob. Like, I don't know how I would have got that job without you. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. So what's what's next for you? 
you have all these teaching gigs, you have these consultant gigs, you, you're training full time. What Anything you're thinking about down the horizon we want to let people know about? No, I mean, I think I'm going to, you know, this is, I think I'm excited about the teaching component of, you know, my career now. So I hope to, you know, continue my, my teaching journey, continue to impact, you know, students in the classroom and in the gym through an internship program. You know, I think that's kind of going to be a little bit of a, not focus for me, but, you know, a, a next step, if you will, is just like, hey, let's, let's continue to improve. Like I, early in my career, it was all about being the best strength coach I could possibly be. And now it's like, all right, now, now, now I'm a teacher. Like now I want to be the best teacher I could possibly be, you know? So it's just like, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm getting my message across to students every day, you know, making sure that they're picking up what I'm putting down you know, they're doing mm-hmm. well. They're, they're going to apply the information. So I think that's like, you know, the, not like a focus, but like my next step is like, let's be, a, let's be a, a great professor. Just like I'm a, or at least I consider myself a great strength coach and a great person. Yeah. I think that the, it will be the next generation of strength coaches and um, movement specialists, I think is going to be huge because they're relatively young professions. And I think you're having a huge impact on just, you know, furthering the career and making it more of a profession, more scientific and measuring metrics with the stuff that you do. And I, and I applaud you for that to, to really furthering the profession. I'll be interested to see what happens in the next like 10 years in, in our profession. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think there's a, and I've, you know, like, like, like you have John, like been lots of great young people mm-hmm. through these doors, you know, that we've talked to interacted with that are going to go off and do great things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Some of they're already better than, than I am. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. But it's great. You know, you just hope you can, you can help guide people on the path and mm-hmm. you know, they're going to make of it what they will, but it's, it's great to see these people doing great stuff. Mm-hmm. So let's end with this. I have a final, we do this with everybody, this final five questions, some rapid fire questions to give people more insight into who Rob Rabina is as a person, because yeah. As much as you bench, we all know that you're mortal, and and I think it'll be be fun to give some of these kids some insight into who the real Rob Rubina is. Yeah, fire away! I'm ready. All right, you're you're walking into the gym for your first training session of the week. What's your walkout song? Pretender by Food Fighters. All right, I think I know the answer to this question, and as anybody that follows you on social media, but what's your favorite exercise? Bench press. Barbell bench press. How many days a week do you bench press? Pretty frequently. If it ends in Y, I'm bench pressing. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, uh, pasta, spaghetti. Oh, all right. Yeah. And then going off of that, what's your guilty pleasure? Huge snack guy. Popcorn snacks at night. Candy. So like sweet, sweet or salty? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, usually salt. Uh, yeah, salty, like Skittles and popcorn and pretzels and all the salty stuff. So, you know, big snacker. Got it. And you are you're a huge Philadelphia guy. You're a huge four for four guy. Yeah. What What's your favorite thing about the Philadelphia area? There's just there's a lot of things to do in the area. You know, you can drive 15 minutes and you're. In Philly, you can drive 15 minutes and you're in Jersey. So it's just like, it's a great spot to be. You know, you're an hour from New York. You're an hour from Maryland. You know, it's a good area. 
Uh, you get all the seasons. Like, you know, people are like, I want to move to Florida and I want it to be sunny all day long. I'm like, I, I don't really like want that. Like, I kind of yeah. like wearing sweatpants and, I, you know, at the same time, I don't like wearing sweatpants all year round, you know? So mm-hmm. this is like, it's a great spot to live. The sports are great. You know, I'm I'm passionate. If you can't tell already, I'm the same way about sports. Big Sixers fan, Phillies fan, Eagles fan. You know, so you know, just being around other, other individuals like myself, it's a it's a good spot to be. Love it. So, if people want to get a hold of you, schedule a training session, or just follow what you're doing, where are the best places? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, uh, email is a good spot. Just like robertbina at gmail.com. My Instagram, robertbina3. Shoot me a DM. Let me know pretty active uh, i like to be more active on there yeah. but uh yeah i mean if anyone's interested uh know where to find me absolutely all right rob i appreciate you for taking the time with us today you know guys reach out to rob he's he's next field he's he's doing some great stuff he's always open whether you're a professional come in and shadow or you know if you're if someone looking for a training program but appreciate you everything you do rob and thanks for hopping on yeah john thanks for having me Hey, hold on a second. Don't leave yet. This is your host, Dr. John Herding, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fitness Philadelphia. If you did, I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. They take less than five minutes and they go such a long way. We really do appreciate it. Number one, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to it. iTunes, Spotify, or whatever it may be. Number two, please leave us a favorable review. Number three, share it. Put it on social media, talk about it with your friends, send it in a text message, whatever you can do to share this episode because we put a lot of work into it and we want to make sure as many people are getting the value out of it as possible. And lastly, if you'd like to learn more, please go to precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness Philadelphia. Thank you so much. This is Dr. John Herding. This is Fitness Philadelphia and have a great day.